0: The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available at 7009-1000. Romans chapter 9, verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which, we, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles? That he has said in, O see, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in a place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel that the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath he he left us a seed. We had been as Sodoma and been made like Gomorrah. Praise the Lord for his reading. and as we...
1: I'd ask you to find the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Hosea will be in Hosea chapter number 1. Drop a piece of paper there and then come with us over to Romans chapter 9. Hosea, the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with those minor prophets, and I wouldn't blame you if you were not, You might find Ezekiel, just come to the right, Ezekiel, then Daniel, and Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, and just drop a piece of paper, we'll be there in just a few moments. Find ourselves in Romans chapter 9, and Romans chapter 9 through 11 deals almost entirely with Israel. There are many other parts of these chapters that talk about our salvation. We find some great truths about salvation in chapter 10. Chapter 9 deals almost exclusively with Israel and God's promises to Israel. God did make promises to Israel, and He always keeps His promises. God always keeps His promises. Now, the question arises, what about Israel? Because at the end of chapter 8, we found nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Sword, peril, famine. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And then the Apostle Paul uses Israel because yes, there is a question, well, what about Israel? And Paul uses them as the great example for us that God always keeps His promises because some who might think would be thinking things like, but God made promises to Israel and some of those promises have not yet been fulfilled. That's prophecy. He always keeps His promises. And Paul is going to and has been, throughout the chapter 9, has been showing us that God always keeps promises. He always fulfills them. He promised them a land and an eternal kingdom and a king who would sit upon his throne. And for 2,500 years, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, did not have a land. And yet this week they celebrated 74 years of return to their own land and having their own country being recognized, and if you were to look closely at Scripture, I will say very clearly there are signs of many prophetic things lining up in ways that they have not in the past. Very interesting times in which we live. And we found in verses 14 to 21 that God is the righteous sovereign. We looked at that last week. He is righteous in that all things that He does are always right. And he is sovereign, meaning that he's in control of all things. There is nothing in this world that will escape his control. He put things like Moses, put people like Moses in positions so that he could show his mercy upon him. For he said, I will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion. And then also with Pharaoh, he said, some are vessels using the picture of a potter who from the same lump of clay will make one to be a vessel of honor and another, a vessel fit for destruction. He does not choose you to be fit for destruction. He allows you to have the opportunity to accept Him. According to His foreknowledge, Romans 8, 29, according to His foreknowledge, He chose to conform you to the image of His Son, So as you push back against his goodness, as we saw last week with Pharaoh, four times God said before Moses ever made it to Egypt, four times God said, I will harden his heart. And then eight times God gave him the opportunity and he hardened his own heart. And on the back end of that seven more times, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Gave him the opportunity. We will never be able to reconcile the free will of man with the election of God. That is in His ways and in His thoughts. I cannot reconcile them in mine. I do know that they are both there. If nothing else, I can look with joy and know, yes, He chose me before the foundation of the world. That's something to rejoice in. We've seen very clearly that God always keeps His promises, and we've also saw, like we saw last week, God has the right, as the righteous sovereign, to choose to whom He will give His promises. And in today we have two overarching themes that come out of our passage, verse 22-29. to 29. Two overarching themes for our passages, passage today. First is, God keeps His promise in His own timing. God keeps His promise in His own timing. We'll expound that. And the other one is this, God has a purpose behind His timing. He has a purpose behind His timing. We'll also see that in our text today. I'll be transparent as we walk into the passage. I think that perhaps this passage, these eight verses, are perhaps the most difficult verses that I have had as a pastor to work through in preparing a sermon. I have spent more time in this passage Preparing for this sermon, than any other message that I have preached in recent months. It's a difficult passage. I don't think it's difficult because of what is the content. I understand the content completely, but how to wrap it into a nice package and present it is difficult. So there may be times when you think that this sermon seems to be a little bit disjointed. I promise I've done my best to try to bring it together and make it a nice package but God chose not in His sovereignty to make it that way. I will walk through the passage backward. We'll start at the last half and then we'll finish with the first half. I'm doing that because I think that feels like to me the easiest way to present it in a way that you'll be able to follow along and understand. I don't think it's right for people to come to church to worship God and only hear the preacher say words. You should have a walk through the text and walk away knowing thus saith the Lord and it is very clear for my life and this is how I need to apply it. So please know that I have wrestled with this text in a way so that A, I bring what the Scriptures say and B, I know how to apply it to my life. So I'll do my best to do that today. Bear with me. I might ask that you pray with me this morning. I will pray and then we'll walk into the text. I might ask you to pray with me The Holy Spirit will give me clarity as I deliver and you clarity as you deliver. Father, I pray these next few moments together, I pray that your word would be made known clearly for your people. I am frail. I am human. I do not understand fully the ways of God. So I pray, Lord, that you would make your word clear to your people. May we know, thus saith the Lord, and so I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to stir within each one of our hearts individually what it is that you've put into your Word through your Holy
2: Spirit's inspiration for us corporately. I pray that we would walk away today knowing the Lord has Remember, it is because of the mercy of God we ever have the opportunity to fight with I said that I'll walk through this passage backwards, so let's jump to verse 25.
1: We'll read verse 25 down to verse 28. As we read through them, I want you to notice that there are four very clear Old Testament passages that are brought up. I'll read verse 25 to 29. Verse 25, as he saith, also in OC, that's Hosea, I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said, that's the second one, this is Hosea 1 verse 10, it was said unto them, you're not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Verse 27, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved, for he shall finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. That comes from both Isaiah 10 and Isaiah 28. in verse 29. And as Isaiah Isaiah, said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, had left us a seed, we should be as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. That's Isaiah 1. We have four, yea, even five, Quotations from the Old Testament. I'll make it for us to make them neatly wrapped. Four Old Testament prophecies. And let me walk through each one individually, for they are making one overarching thought. And that overarching thought is God keeps His promises in His timing. We expect Him to give His promise and then just to follow it immediately. And His promises do not always get fulfilled immediately. They take time. Some of them are fulfilled in our lifetime. Some of them are fulfilled after us. Old Testament prophets like Hosea would have given prophecies, some of those prophecies fulfilled in their lifetime, some of them yet to be fulfilled as of 2022. We'll see that as we walk through. Look at verse 25 again. As he saith also in Hosea, that's Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. If I were to summarize that, I would say it this way. God speaking, I can call outsiders as my own. I can even call them beloved. They're outsiders. I can call them. We saw last week, I have the right, as the sovereign of the universe, I have the right to make promises to whomever I want to. So if you have a piece of paper, drop it here at Romans 9. We'll look over at Hosea for a few minutes. We'll be back, and and actually a couple of times we'll flip back and forth to see this. So maybe just leave your piece of paper here in Romans 9 and then jump over to Hosea. In fact, I'd like for you to see Hosea chapter 2 uh, before we go to Hosea 1. So Hosea chapter 2, uh, we'll read verses 21 to 23. Hosea chapter 2, we'll read this one. There will be some things that I want to draw out of it. So look, Hosea chapter 2, verse 21. It shall come to pass, this is Hosea writing on behalf of God's prophecy. It shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens. That tells me that there's going to be some kind of major rejoicing in the heavens if God is going to hear the heavens. And they, the heavens, shall hear the earth, for the earth will be rejoicing. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. I want you to log that name away in your head for just a moment. I'm not going to explain it right now, I will in a minute. But just remember, earth will say the name Jezreel. Verse 23, And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her, that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say to them, which were not My people, Thou art My people, they shall say, Thou art My God. We'll go ahead and look at the next prophecy, and then I'll expound both of these together. So flip with me back over to Romans chapter 9 and verse 26. This is the second one. second one is chapter 9 and verse 26. And it shall come to pass, that in the place where it was said unto them, are not my people; there shall they be called the children of the living God. And so, if I were to summarize that prophecy, be God saying, "I will call my own people back to myself." That comes from Hosea chapter one and verse ten. So, in the first one, Hosea two twenty three, the prophecy is, "I, will, I can call people who are outsiders to be my own." And then the second one. I will also call my own people back to myself. Now, how is it that I see the differentiation between those two? Because it's very easy to see them as the same one. Look at verse 25 925, 926. 925 starts with the word as. The word as in verse 25 tells me that he is continuing a thought from verse 24. So, what's going on in verse 24? We need to read it verse 24 starts the thought in verse 23 God might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had not afore prepared or which he had afore prepared unto glory even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only but also of the Gentiles so here in verse in chapter 9 right in the middle of chapter 9 where he's been talking about Israel he brings us into it you saw the word us even us So, as, and here's the prophecy in verse number 25, as Hosea said, I will call those who are not my own to be my own. Who is that? That's us Gentiles we get to get brought in. This is a gift from God. He is sovereign. He can choose to give a promise to whomever he wants to. But he does not just leave it with as for the Gentiles, but then look also in verse 26. And it shall come to pass. That in the place where it was said unto them, who was he speaking to? He was speaking to Israel. So that's why I differentiate these two. It's not one promise made two times. There's two separate promises: one made to the Gentiles, outsiders who will be brought in, and the second one given to Jews who he had already promised, and he says, I'm going to bring you back. So we've already read Hosea chapter 2. Now come to Hosea chapter 1, and you'll see the other prophecy. Before we read Hosea chapter 1 and verse 10, I think it's very important that we take a moment and we walk down through what's going on in Hosea chapter 1. We'll get to verse 10 in just a moment. Remember that this is prophetic. Hosea is a prophet. Just like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, it just so happens that his book is shorter than theirs. Hosea chapter 1. verse number 1, the word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of... Notice these are separate kings. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So we'll pause and have a quick history moment. Do you remember there was the king David, and then there was the king Solomon, his son. You remember that one? And then after Solomon... There was a split in the nation. The nation became two groups, two nations, Israel and Judah. That was because of the rebellion that happened under Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, wanted to make himself stronger than his father, and the ten tribes split away and became Israel. Those those two separate nations remained separate from that time until the exile. Israel. Ten tribes. And for the most part, those ten tribes, Israel, walked away from God and they did it immediately, following after Jeroboam and the false prophets. They walked away from God. Judah had both good kings and bad kings throughout the rest of its history. God was slow to wrath with them. He was also slow to wrath with Israel. However, Israel received their punishment first. That is what we're going to see in this passage. Now it says here that Hosea, verse 1, Hosea is a prophet during the days of these kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, that's on Judah's side, and during Jeroboam's time, on Israel's side. Now verse 2. Beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, the Lord said unto Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of the whoredoms and children of whoredoms, For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, which conceived and bare him a son. So God told Hosea, go and take a prostitute
2: as your wife. Happy Mother's Day. God was trying to
1: put something into place with Hosea's life that would be an example of what Israel had done. God Israel had turned their backs on God, this was supposed to have been a relationship like a man with his wife. Us with God is supposed to be us together forever, and yet Israel had turned their back on God and separated from God and gone after other gods, idolatrous other gods like Balaam. they turned their back on God God says. Hosea, I'm going to have you marry a prostitute because this is going to be a picture of what I put up with with Israel. So he does this. I can only imagine the pain that comes from this be akin to the pain that God has as we turn our backs on him.
2: They have a child, verse 4, their firstborn son. The Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel told you to remember that name. You're going to see it.
1: Call his name Jezreel. This is the firstborn son. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel.
2: Jezreel means God sows. God sows. The image is that of
1: scattering seed. You might remember Jesus talked about the sower went forth to sow and some of the seed fell upon thorny ground and some upon hard ground and some upon good soil. Some of it the birds got, took away. God sows. And so the image here is God taking Israel and scattering them. Because Israel, you've turned your back on Me so now I've named a boy, Jezreel. God sows, God scatters, sends you abroad, and I will break, he says, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. In my scattering you, I will take your power away. The prophecy, by the way, that prophecy came true. It, it was fulfilled in the days of Isaiah. I mentioned that sometimes a prophecy will be fulfilled during the life of the prophet, and sometimes it may not be for thousands of years. But God always keeps His promises. He never forgets them. We'll continue to read verse number 6 now. they are going to have a second child. This is a daughter. Verse 6. He conceived again and bare a daughter. God said unto him, Call her name Loruhamah. That means no mercy. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. So Hosea and Gomer have a little girl. Lord Rahma, no mercy. And God shows no mercy on Israel. Remember what He said in Romans chapter 9. I think it was verse 15. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion. And I decide I will not have any more mercy on Israel. You've turned your back on me. I'm done with you. No mercy. I'll break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. I will scatter you abroad. But to Judah, see it in verse 7, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and I will save them. Notice how He will save them. By the Lord their God. will not save them by the bow, or by the sword, or by battle, by horses, or by horsemen. Caution, church. I'm going to explain it in just a minute. Caution. That's not your promise. Some preacher will stand and say, God will deliver you. He will not use horses. He will not use the sword. Maybe they'll make statements like, God will send the latter rain. Listen, those are promises for Israel. You don't get to pick the promises and apply them to
2: yourself. The church is not Israel. Take the word what he means.
1: He makes this promise to Judah. And by the way, that promise was fulfilled also in Hosea's day. I'll give an overview of that. The text was 2 Kings 19, and you don't have to turn there. Assyria was a mighty nation. Assyria was the one that God used to break the bow of Israel. Their King Sennacherib, they had a mighty army. And the people of Israel saw that mighty army coming and they reached out to the armies of Egypt to hire them as mercenaries to come and fight on their behalf. Those Egyptian soldiers did not make it before Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, found out what was going on and he said, fine, you're going to try to reach out and get some help, I'll wipe you out. Massive, massive undertaking and the people of Israel were wiped out. Assyria took the Israelites away from Israel and brought outsiders to come and live in their place. That'll stop them from ever coming back. And then the nation of Judah under the king Hezekiah saw what had just happened in Israel. And for months, Hezekiah prayed on his face before God. He had the opportunity to reach out to other nations to come and help them, but he knew My hope is not in strength and in might, but my hope is only in the Lord. And Hezekiah turned to God in prayer and begged God to be merciful to them. And God was merciful to them. 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35 tells how that happened. Remember the prophecy here of Hosea chapter 1. I will save Judah, not with the sword, not with the horsemen, not with the horses, not by might. Here's how he did it. 2 Kings 19 and verse 35, and it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out, one single angel, in the middle of the night, and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred four score and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. 185,000 soldiers killed in one night. Everybody in Judah was terrified when they went to bed. And when they woke up, they found 185,000 dead soldiers. How do you bury that many people?
2: Listen. Don't go near there. Let it stink for a long time. It's gonna be a terrible place to go to.
1: By the way, two verses later, Sennacherib gives up and goes back to his country.
2: His own sons kill him. He can't believe how much of a disaster. God delivered Judah the way He said He
1: would. It, verse seven, Hosea one seven: I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. Remember, God will have mercy upon. Will have mercy. I'll have mercy upon the house of Judah. I'll save them. I'll not save them by bow or by sword, by battle or by horses or by horsemen. God does always promise
2: it. Come into verse 8. Now they're going to have a third child. Remember, these are prophetic. They have not seen 2
1: Kings yet. Not seen Assyria wiped out yet. Now verse 8, it's a third child. And when she had weaned Lord Rahamah, And bear a son. Then said God, call his name Loami.
2: I hope you've been paying attention because each one of these names had a meaning. And here's the meaning for Loami not my people. For ye are not my people. I don't want God to ever say, I'm not his people. I don't ever want that. So this morning as we sing the song, He will hold me fast. It is not ever because of something that I did. Just satisfied because Christ went to the cross of my being. Hold me fast. Terrifying thing, fall away from the hand of God. So he says to the people of Israel there's a child named Loami not my how long must have backs on God long suffering God how long they backs on not my beloved I will not be God Number of the children of Israel shall be as not be measured nor
1: numbered. It shall come to pass that in the place where it was said, you're
2: not my people. Closely. There it shall be said unto them. There's a massive shift that happens. Verse 9 rejected I've put you away. I've broken your bow in the valley of Je- I've scattered you abroad. We're not my people, but the day will come. Prophecy. That prophecy has not yet been
1: The day that will come, he says in verse 10, the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, cannot measure nor number them. It will come to pass in that place, in that place where it was said that you are not My people. What was the name of that place? Jezreel. In that place, it will be said for the children of the living God. Something massive changed. I can tell you upon which event all of history changed. There's a big difference from the day when He said, you are not My people, to the day when He said, you are the sons of the living God. There's a massive change. And I'll give a glimpse to it. This was John chapter 1, and verse 12. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. You remember that? John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but of God. God is the one that says, I will make you my sons. There's a shift here that's happening. The shift is, you put your back, Israel, you put your back against me, and I said, You're not my people. And now he brings you back, not as my people, but as the children of the living God. There's a big difference between those two. We can see it. Oh, it's silly, see? 2022. All you have to do is say the name of the year, and we already know there are people. Four thousand candidates across the nation will stand over the next several weeks before great groups and say, "You are my people." I'm not getting into politics here. I'm just showing you there are people who will stand and say, "You are my people." And there's something very different between you are My people and you are My Son. Those are two very different things. Oh, it is a blessing to be a people of God. It is an entirely different thing to be called the Son of God. Oh, that relationship is totally different. And it is based, yes, upon Him saying, you are My child. So as I look at Israel, Yes, He put them away. But He will bring them back. And when He brings them back, it will have everything to do with them accepting Him as their Savior. So we will say, yes, the people of Israel are put away. The day is coming when He will bring them back. And when He brings them back, He will bring them back as not just the people of God, but the sons of the living God. Now read verse 11. We'll finish out Hosea chapter 1. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together. That has not happened yet. A still prophecy to be filled. They will appoint themselves one head. Take a guess who that one head is? Jesus. On the throne in Jerusalem. That's to come yet. people of Israel and the people of Judah, they will be back gathered together and appoint themselves one head. They shall come out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Hope that makes you think for just a moment. Hang on a second. I thought Jezreel was God scatters us, but that's not what the word means. It's not God scatters, it's God sows. So when God sowed the people of Israel, he had a plan and he had a timing for his promises. And it's God sows. Yes scattering, but He has something that's coming on the back of the sowing. For when you sow, the seed goes out. Yes, some goes to thorny ground and some goes to hard ground, but some will go into good soil and it will become a plant and it will bear fruit and there will be a harvest as He will bring to Himself. And they will say, great is the day when God scattered us abroad, for He did use that to get our attention and He will bring us back to Himself. So we've seen two prophecies there in Romans chapter 9. I will call outsiders to be my own. And I'm so thankful that he has done that. Then he says also, I will call my own people back to myself. And that's what he prophesies in Hosea. Then, verses 27 and 28, if you come back with me to Romans chapter 9, 27, the third prophecy. Isaiah cried concerning Israel. I'll walk through thee quickly. Though the number children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. As a short work will the Lord make upon earth. This prophecy is as if he were saying, "I will save a remnant. They will be mighty. They,
2: globally, people of Israel, those who claim to be." number, more than yet. Million. 0.7 million of those in Israel. Now in a massive
1: regathering of Jewish people like never seen in the history of God, As Jewish people from around the world are moving back to 6 million of those Jewish people in the United States. Third largest gathering being 400,000 in France. The rest of them scattered throughout the world.
2: in million, I might say, approaching, can't count that many. Coming a day when God will gather them
1: together, but He will also unleash His fury upon their sin, and that is known as the Great Tribulation. We do not have time to go into the Great Tribulation, however, the Scriptures tell us that in a space of three and a half years, He will unleash His on the earth. Be like never seen before. I might use the words of Romans 9 28. He will finish the work. He'll cut it short in righteousness. As a short work will the Lord make upon the earth, He'll do it quickly. Revelation tells us that it will happen in a time span of three and a half years. His work will be done quickly. When it is finished, there will be a remnant. Notice the words in verse 27. Their number may be as the sand of, a, of the sea, but there will be a remnant. will come to Him and He will call them children of God. Then see the next prophecy or next promise that's verse 29 now. It comes from Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth, had left us a, had been as Sodom and been made
2: like unto The Lord of Sabaoth, it's the Lord of Hosts, He who has the mighty armies.
1: If the one who had the mighty armies did not leave us a remnant, that's what He's saying, we would have been wiped out. For His armies have the ability. To wipe us out completely, so it is of His mercy that He leaves us a remnant. So I summarize it like this: God is leaving, leaving a remnant, and that is mercy. According to his promise, he had kept, he had made a promise, I will look after my people, I will call them the children of God. Always keep the promises. Please don't ever think for even a moment. God makes a promise, then something happens, and he realizes that that's going to make his promise hard to fulfill, so then he scrambles to come up with another way. No. He knew it all from the foundation of the world. Plans out, he makes his promises, and he keeps his promises. But then we might ask this question why? Why, God? Why would you have these promises, but then take your time in some having those two promises? right there in Hosea's day, and the other two in the future yet for us. That brings us to the other overarching theme that we see in Romans chapter 9, and that is this. God has a purpose behind His timing. He has a purpose. I've seen before that God always keeps His purposes. He always keeps His promises. He has a purpose behind His timing. And I think that we get a glimpse of that in Romans 9, verses 22 to 24. So let's look at verse 22. God has a purpose behind His timing. Verse 22. What if God, and He's going to give us the purpose, here it is willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had afore prepared unto glory, even unto us whom He hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. But so we're going back to the picture that was just a couple of verses before. The picture of the potter who from the same lump will make, yes, even vessels. And one goes on to be a vessel of honor. Here he calls it a vessel of mercy. The other, a vessel fitted for destruction. The potter has every right to do that. The sovereign of the universe, the Creator, has every right to do that. And who are we as the creation? As the one who was made, who are we to ever question? For our accumulated 20 years, 40 years, 60 years of knowledge is nothing compared against the ancient of So who, will I, who am I to ever question? So as He has some vessels of mercy upon whom He will show honor and He will show mercy, Puts this question forth in verse 22. What if God wanted to show things to the vessels of mercy and He does it by showing things to the vessels of destruction? I think of the people of Israel, if ever there was a vessel of honor, that was the people of Israel. And boy, did He ever show things to them.
2: Parting of the Red Sea. The giving of manna. Providing of whale.
1: As they walk around Jericho and he knocks down the wall in, in the history of ever did you ever get to see walls fall down because people walked
2: around them? That's some poor construction, isn't it? God does the miraculous shows them things that nobody else gets. And then for the vessels of
1: destruction, these would be the ones that we would see Pharaoh. Saw him last week. God had every right. The moment that Pharaoh hardened his heart to God's commands, God had every right to squash him in that moment. Yet he did not. And God knew from the before Moses ever went to see Pharaoh, God knew he's going to harden his
2: heart eight times. Never be right with me. God knew it. I don't have to give Pharaoh any more. Yet, put up with it. Nebuchadnezzar,
1: God puts the fourth man in the fire for Nebuchadnezzar, knowing that Nebuchadnezzar will still harden his heart, Nebuchadnezzar will still stand and glorify himself. God puts up with that. Some of us would love if God would just take those vessels of destruction and squash them, throw them back into the clay and remake a new one. God has a reason. He has his own purposes in his timing. So look at
2: verse 22. Show it to us. God waited. He didn't have to wait. Waited. What if God, willing to show his
1: wrath? So God waited, even though he was willing to show his wrath. So from the moment Pharaoh first hardens his heart, God is willing to show his wrath. He's ready to do it. Yet he doesn't. He does not unleash his wrath on Pharaoh. He does not pick up Pharaoh and send him immediately to his end, which is dead in the Red Sea. He doesn't do that. Every right to do it doesn't. He's willing to show his wrath, and he waited. he gave him 10 legs, playing his might. He's slow to wrath. He's long-suffering to us. If we can just take a moment, step out of this illustration with Israel and look at our own salvation. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Aren't you thankful that God is long-suffering? Second Peter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the context of 2 Peter chapter 3 is some people are mocking and saying Jesus said he was going to come back where is his appearance Peter says God is long suffering oh he will return he will keep his promise he has his timing and he has his purpose in his timing so just wait because he is long suffering to us word aren't you glad friend you've put your trust in Christ Aren't you glad that Christ did not return before you put your trust in Christ?
2: Long-suffering. He is willing to show His wrath. But then also in verse 22, it says,
1: what if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, He waited, even though He was willing to show His wrath, and even though He was willing to make His power known... Remember in chapter 9 and verse 17, he said this, Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee. I did this on purpose, Pharaoh. I raised you up. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this while you're still alive, that one day I'm going to use you to show off my might and my power. God is willing, yes, is willing to show His wrath, and yes, He is willing to make His power known. Oh, He wants His glory to be known around the world. He wants His glory to be known. Isaiah 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I don't play games, Scott. I don't play games with my glory. I don't play games with my glory. He's willing to show off His wrath. He's willing to show His power.
2: These are vessels fitted for destruction. They will never put their trust in Him. And yet he's slow, long-suffering. That is. Then he does this, for not for them, but for us. That in verse twenty. Go on verse twenty, he's willing to show his wrath, he's willing to make his power known, and he's
1: endured. With long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to, for destruction. He's put up with them, so that, verse 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. He put up with Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and those vessels of wrath and destruction. He puts up with them with long suffering. So that, and here are the important words, so that He can show the riches of the glory on the vessels of mercy. That's us. He's going to display His glory on the vessels of mercy for us. You even see the word us in verse 24. For even us whom He hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So He waits so that
2: He might make known the riches of His glory. Remember the waters at Mara? We talked about those.
1: God led them there. Why? So that they would lean upon Him. That bad thing was for their good. He brought them to Mount Sinai. Why? So He could display His might to them.
2: Oh, how often, how quickly our backs against one who is mighty. There's this beautiful promise that not just for also for us. Notice in verse 24 that he does not say, or Gentile. He says, not only, but also. And us hath called, not of the Jews, but also We get to be a part of that. So that in Hosea 1 and verse 10, when he
1: says, those who were called not my people, will now be called the sons of God. We get to be part of that. Be also sons of God. So that when God, chapter 2, God from heaven hears the heavens declaring glory. Heaven's hearing the earth. The earth hearing the corn and the wine declaring great is the day of Jezreel. God had
2: sown. Bringing to himself those who will be sons. You might remember chapter 2. Gonna have you turn to it, but I'm just gonna put up on the chapter two, verse four
1: down to verse 7. first first three verses if you described us before salvation.
2: We're dead in our trespasses and apart from them. then verse four. But God was rich in mercy, for
1: his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. They, that's Him. He's the one that made us alive. And then He made us alive with Christ. Oh, let that be a promise for your life, brothers and sisters. You put your trust in Christ. You are in Christ. He has raised us, verse 6, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's to come. It's not here yet. It's going to make us sit with Christ in heaven. And then verse 7, For this reason, that, verse 7, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For the ages, He will show His exceeding kindness toward us. He will unfold. I can just imagine what that might be like. And I think that the best way to describe it would be something that I have coming up in my
2: own life. Tuesday, I will travel to go study. Ariel, graduate from university. Then in August, I will go again for her wedding. Love my daughter Ariel. I really like my son-in-law to be. I have a feeling if things go the way of nature, not too long, I will have a grandchild. No rush. They can take their time. But as the gray comes into my head, I'm looking forward to being a grandpa. When I'm a grandpa, I have
1: a plan. I'm looking forward to that grandchild. I don't know if it's going to be a little boy or a little girl.
2: When it's diaper changing time, I will hand that child off to grandmother, or I am retired from school. When that little child is old enough to start talking, that grandchild are going to spend time together. I'm looking forward to sitting in a big chair. has to be a big chair, not a little one. I'm going to sit in a big
1: chair. That little grandbaby is going to sit on my knee. I'm going to tell that grandbaby stories. There will be some stories that will be just from my memory, and some of them will be extemporaneous, and some of them might be made up. But
2: all those stories are going to be about me. Because I'm going to tell that grandbaby how great grandfather there is nothing wrong and all the grandfathers sit i'm in no rush they will come and i will glorify the name of that child's grandfather that grand grandchild he will hear all the stories i Expedi- expedition the jungles of popping again coming a day ages with God. Chapter 1. Ages. Why? Why did He make us alive? He has His own purpose.
1: He gives us a glimpse in Ephesians 2, verse 7. glimpses that for the ages to come, He might show the mercy that He has shown upon us. For the ages to come, He show all of the goodness kindness of God towards us. And I will—I I don't think I'll be sitting on his knee. I might be bowed in front of him. But as one day after another, I don't know if that's how we'll count it in eternity, as one day after another, he opens the goodness of God towards us. And I sit in awe, just amazed at how good he's been to us. For in our finite minds as human beings, I cannot comprehend this. And then the next day, he'll open it up some more and we'll get an even greater debt says there in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He didn't have to pick us up and take care of us at all. But He made us a vessel. His mercy. A vessel upon which He would bestow honor. Yeah, that's Jews and it's Gentiles.
2: And the ages to come, show His kindness. Oh, so brothers and sisters, be encouraged by the fact that He always keeps And He has the right to bestow promises upon whom He wills. And He will fulfill His promises in His timing. He has purposes. Timing. Righteous. Righteous. Father, I pass. Just a corner with our finite mind. Allow us to grasp just a corner of the goodness of God. Or even in those moments when He scatters. Father, in those moments when we don't understand what it is in our lives, I pray that we would back upon the fact that You are righteous. Always do. In those moments when we think this
1: terrible thing will separate me from the love of God, may we fall back upon the promise of God that this terrible thing is molding me, shaping me, forming me to the image of Your Son so that I can be more than a
2: conqueror as you take that terrible thing, make it to... Dis- I pray that you would... after your... Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We
0: would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 7009
2: 1000 Again, it's seven zero nine one thousand.